It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And welcome back, everyone, to the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Monday, October 10th. Week 5 is just behind us. Well, we do have one more game coming up later on tonight. Bye weeks are on us here in week six, and we have a ton of stuff to dive into, not only covering the game tonight, but also getting you guys ready for the waiver wire, talking about a lot of stuff that happened over the weekend, including a litany and just a scrolls worth list of injuries. Before I keep things going, let me go ahead and bring in our two co-hosts for today. Joining me on the show is Ian is Ian and Catch. You can get Ian over on Twitter at NFL and Film Study and Jason Catch. You can find him at Jason Katz13. I guess, Jason, let's start with you, bud. I know you've always got a ton of opinions and things to say over the show now, don't you? Uh, give me some of your uh, your first thoughts from the weekend, and uh, we'll kind of get this this show off the road. Uh, well, I'm going to start with something near and dear to Tommy's heart, and that is it is officially long past time to put Allen Robinson out to pasture. I know that he is uh, – he's he, we were both high on. Uh, well, it's over. I know we, we've, we've seen talks for – three weeks now about how they need to get him more involved. And the reality is it's never going to happen because he is incapable of playing NFL football anymore. Sorry, Allen Robinson. Uh, so that's, that's my first takeaway. You, you didn't have to go there with that one. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, the Rams just have a ton of issues and they've came out there and said several times that it's, it's more than just Allen Robinson. But I mean, it's, this team is just, it's just not good. It's Cooper cup and no one else. And apparently no one reminded Cooper Cup that he was supposed to regress in 2022. So, it is what it is. Uh, Ian, you got any uh, any quick hitters for me, too? A couple things. You know, we saw Matt Rule. He got the chop today, so so sad for him. Uh, we'll see if Baker Mayfield ever starts the NFL uh, again or if he's just going to be destined to be a backup. Obviously, the Browns yeah. paying for their sins of trading for Deshaun Watson just continue to be doomed, cannot do a single thing right when it comes down to actually winning games. Uh, Dolphins, it's time for two a time. As soon as he's healthy, man, that team needs him so badly. Mm -hmm. Just getting whooped by the Jets. Super happy to see on the opposite spectrum, Brian Robinson, welcome back. Amen. Many men do indeed try to be taking down uh, Brian Robinson. Just a fantastic intro to the game for him. And it's also, it's his takeover season. I think we'll get into that later too. And uh, final takeaway, Davis Mills, man, start to start to pack your bags, brother. I think the Texans are going to be looking for a new quarterback next year as he just continues to kind of be just in existence. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's one of those where it's, I think Davis Mills was good for what they needed at the time, but given the way this draft class is panning out in 2023, it's hard to say if you don't have a top pick, it's hard just to say, nah, we're good. I'm going to pass on this class. Um, I think the Steelers are going to have that, that issue also where they took Kenny Pickett. They're going to have a potential top six pick and say, Hey, look, we got to go with another position. Uh, but look, 
a lot of these teams, if you're bad, it's probably because you have more holes than just a quarterback. And sometimes it can even be a head coach. And Ian, you kind of already kind of broke the news on down. But earlier today, we did see where Matt Rule has been let go of the Carolina Panthers. The first head has rolled over here in the 2022 season. I'm sure it won't be the last one that we see of these head coachings do get fired uh, mid-season. I'm dubious to think this will have a massive impact on this team. Um, I don't know if it'll quite be like what we saw last year with the Raiders when Rich Basaccia came in and took over for John Gruden. Uh, to me, it's, there's just more issues here than anything else. Uh, we saw, you know, uh, Baker Mayfield, he is now injured and is out. Actually, uh, P.J. Walker will be getting the start this week. Uh, Baker Mayfield getting an MRI, and uh, we saw he was seen with a uh, boot on his foot, uh, according to Mike K. from the Charlotte Observer, formerly uh, one of our own co-workers. So uh, good seeing him kind of out there on the beat covering the Carolina Panthers here on this one. So we'll see how things kind of change. A couple of um, things to hit from the injury front. Damian Harris with a hamstring. Uh, Ramadre Stevenson came in and just dominated during his time of work. 25 carries for 161. Arizona saw lost two running backs on the weekend, James Conner and Darrell Williams. Neither of them returned from their injuries. No idea what their status will be this week. Obviously, it's still very early, but something to kind of keep an eye on. Tyreek Hill in a walking boot afterwards. Walking boots can be one of two things. They can either be just purely preventative, just make sure nothing else happens, or it can be something serious. does not seem to be serious based on what we're seeing come out of Miami. Nothing compared to the quarterback situation with Teddy Bridgewater suffering a head and a elbow injury, they said, and he was ruled out for the game with a concussion or in place into concussion protocol, although they said he actually passed protocols on the sidelines, so it's something else to do with the the whole new system that I think the NFL, the NFLPA, and all of us are still trying to figure out what constitutes concussion, what is going to deem when a player can come back or not. I'm okay. I'm all for player safety, but personally, if we are going to – if we're going to rule these players out as quickly as we are, I think the NFL needs to consider expanding the game day roster beyond the 53 because we're going to see a lot of issues start popping up like this. And it's, I, I'm not even saying for fantasy, whatever. It's just, if you're going to rule these guys out in favor of player safety, which I'm always for, you got to give these teams the ability to, to fill that hole. Otherwise you're just risking other things down the line. So we'll see what the NFL does on that one. Miami also did lose Teron Armstead, who has been dealing with a toe injury for the previous couple weeks so that offensive line takes a hit. Um, New Orleans already thin a wide receiver, not having Jarvis Landry or Michael Thomas this week. Saw Chris Olave, the stud rookie wide receiver, um, suffer a concussion. Uh, had his head hit the ground pretty hard when he came down with a touchdown uh, grab in the end zone. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, Pat Fryermuth also had a concussion for the Pittsburgh Steelers and while was just adding you know, insult injury or when you were down 38, when you gave up 38 points in the first half, you know, that was going to be a bad game. Uh, but to watch Fryermuth also have a, a uh, head injury that, that hurts, especially when you look what happened last season when he had two concussions over the span of two weeks. Uh, so that's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on what going forward, Zach Gentry would move up into the starting role. Uh, and then also, Hey, welcome back bye weeks. We avoided for the first five weeks, but they are back uh, with a, it's a little bit different now after they extended the schedule to win these bye weeks. It used to be a you know week five we look at it. Now it's a week six. And for fantasy, it's it kind of sucks a little bit because these are a lot of teams that we were kind of targeting matchups against with the Detroit Lions and Houston Texans. Also joining them will be the Raiders and the Tennessee Titans on bye here coming up in week six. Speaking of, let's go ahead and jump into the waiver wire and talk about the top names to pick up for this weekend. 
I'd be remiss if I started with anyone else other than the number one waiver wire claim of the weekend. I think at this point in the season, he's probably the number one waiver wire person we've seen over the entire slate so far this year, outside of maybe James Robinson, but he was kind of just proving to be healthy. And that is Kenneth Walker, uh, only rostered in 43% of leagues. Um, saw where Rashad Penny, the news came out today. He is done for the year uh, with a broken tibia. Unfortunately, just another season ending injury uh, for Rashad Penny as difficult as this is because it's a guy we know we can play well when he's healthy, but just cannot stay off of the injured list. Kenneth Walker is going to take over. Ian, talk to me a little bit about Kenneth Walker, like what you liked about him coming out of Michigan State. I know for me, I thought he was like probably the best pure rusher. And I think for me, it was no surprise either that the guy who his very first big touch in the NFL was a 69-yard touchdown. It was very reminiscent of his first carry at Michigan State, a 75-yard against Northwestern. What should fans and fans managers be expecting out of Kenneth Walker as he takes over this backfield for the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, you kind of mentioned it. He just does a lot well as far as the running back position, right? Like he sees the hole well. He's patient behind the line of scrimmage, but he's also not the type of back that's going to stop his feet and just lose ground. He's someone that keeps his legs moving. He can work through contact. He's quick. I definitely love his second level explosion. He's mm-hmm. kind of surprising for his size, like how explosive he is. And we saw that breakaway speed, like you mentioned. He's obviously logged a 438 40 time at the combine, which I was a little bit surprised about. I kind of thought he's more of like a mid 4 4 guy. Um, but he does a lot well, and he's a, he's definitely the guy that you would peg as a starter, right? Like when he was coming out, it's not 100%. like, okay, I think this guy is going to be, you know, 1A, 1B. No, you're drafting him to be the lead guy. He has the He was profile. this year's Javante Williams. Oh, really? And yeah, I love that comparison, actually. Yeah, that's a really nice fit. He has the explosiveness. Has a cons- I think the consistency will be there. Obviously, with Javante Williams, we didn't really see that. But I think coming yeah. out of Michigan State, he's used to seeing NFL reads. He's used to seeing tight formations and defenses being stacked up and playing that kind of bigger type of athlete that he's going to continue to see in the NFC West particularly. So for me, he's definitely a guy. I was skeptical of Seattle in the place where they are in their rebuild Mm -hmm. um, to use a pick like that, but I love the fit and I like the overall direction because that's the right uh Picking him was the right process, right? Like you're identifying the talent effectively. You're putting him in the right scheme. You're putting him in the right situation. Obviously, with the two rookie tackles, too, they played extremely well. So I think Walker, you mentioned it. He, this is just me, a home run waiver wire claim. If you can get him, I mean, he is a no-brainer. Yeah. Um, Cats, how much are you willing to spend on your fab right now on on Kenneth Walker, just out of curiosity? I, I've been saying minimum 50%, but the more I think about it, I mean, it's week six now. The the guys you add off waivers are they decrease in value as the season goes forward because you're getting them for fewer weeks. Mm-hmm. And we still have about a third of the fantasy regular season in front of us. This is kind of it. I mean, this, this is your, this is the stand. This is why you didn't spend earlier. If you want to burn it all, I would fully endorse that. We're talking about a guy who is guaranteed to be a lead running back for the remainder of the season. Unless of course he gets hurt as well. Uh, yeah, he's not catching any passes. We know that. But two-down runner in what apparently is a very good offense? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're, if you if he's available, do whatever it takes. Number one waiver priority, all the fab, go get him. Ian, are you kind of feeling the same way too, bud? Absolutely. I, I think this is the time, and, and it's a really good point about, like, there's just limited time left. How many more injuries are there going to be a really qualified player coming in to, to fill the role? This is really it. I, 
Uh, you just, just he was easily the strongest backup, I think, at the position besides like Melvin Gordon entering the season. Yep, I'm with you. Um, I'm shooting my shot on this one. Whatever it takes, I'm gonna go after him. Uh, cats. I know one guy you were kind of a big fan of, or kind of just more concerned. Why? Why are fans and managers really just kind of diving into this one? Jacoby Myers really kind of having that big game this week. Only rostered forty-seven percent. Are fantasy managers just just disrespecting Jacoby Myers at this point? They've been doing this for two years now. I understand the reluctance to jump in on a former UDFA playing in a run-first offense, but how many years in a row does Myers have to prove that he wasn't the number one receiver on the Patriots just kind of by default? He's legitimately good. Targets are earned, and he's earning them. This is someone who is, yeah, he's missed two games this season, but in three games he played, 10.2, 18.5, 24.1 PPR fantasy points. He led the Patriots wide receivers in snaps, routes run, and targets last week. Had over 100 receiving yards with Bailey Zappi, third-string rookie quarterback, who I do think is pretty good, by the way. Yeah, Myers just needs to be on fantasy rosters. I, I and We have bye weeks coming up. Who doesn't have use for an every-week wide receiver three? Yeah. Uh, it's the only, I think the only reason he was even down a little bit come drafted because he wasn't really finding the end zone last year because the volume was there. Uh, and I think it's still there right now. I mean, I don't think anyone should be shying off Jacoby Myers because of Devontae Parker's existence in the same offense. Uh, if he's out there, Jacoby Myers, great option. At minimum, you made your team stronger on your bench for bye weeks. At minimum. Otherwise, you got to flex a guy you can throw into your flex lineup. Speaking of someone else you can throw into your flexes, Rashad White, backup running back for the Tembe Buccaneers. Although, I'm going to be moving closer potentially into a 1A, 1B kind of role with Leonard Fournette. Fournette did kind of crush it this week especially in the receiving game catching 10 of 11 targets uh but that was a game where they kind of things are pretty easy and i think they've been really easy to trust Leonard Fournette so far but ian rashad white was a guy we both liked coming out of arizona state talented running back very flashy on film between the hurdles and the spins and the, and the second level acceleration are we kind of thinking that we kind of start to see a little bit of an upper trend here for rashad white and his uses in this backfield I think so. I, I think this will at least be consistent, like around 40% of snaps. I think that's fair for him. Tampa Bay has to look at this offense and they have to look at the effectiveness of the offensive line. It's not been there all season. I don't think that's going to really change uh, barring a sudden uh, growth spur of development from guys who weren't in line to be starters. Like injuries have just affected this line and you can't really do a whole lot about that at this point. It just makes sense. Look at the commitment that they have to Fournette. It's really only through this season. White's going to be the future. You tend to see that. I think you want to keep one. You want to keep Fournette healthy. I think that's going to be mm -hmm. a factor as time goes on. He's going to keep getting beat up. Number two, it's the effectiveness of the offensive line. Play to the strengths of Tom Brady. It's a receiving back. I do think this will be a little bit more, maybe not a 1A, 1B, but it's like a 1A, 1C, where he's a true complement. He's a true uh, guy that you can rely on 40 to 45% of the snaps, especially depending on the game script. And that is a great value in any Tom Brady offense. I'll be honest. I'm going to steal that. Not 1A1B, but more 1A1C line from you. I'll, I'll credit you. Don't get me wrong, but I'm absolutely stealing that in the future. Uh, just Feel free. <laughs> um, another running back sitting out here, uh, Eno Benjamin. Kind of we talked about it. I brushed on this earlier about the injuries that happened to happened to the Arizona Cardinals to both um both our running backs and Eno came in and he did the job and that's that's kind of all we're looking at here is and he did a job against a very solid defense in the Philadelphia Eagles and while the Arizona Cardinals did come up short 20 to 17 Eno got his usage eight carries or 25 yards on the ground 
with a touchdown, but also got his usual receiving role, catching three of four targets for 28 yards, ending the day with 14.3 PPR points, which I'll take that all day long. Um, and if we're going to think that potential of James Conner or uh, Drell Williams, if one of those two potentially misses, all of a sudden we're looking at Eno Benjamin in a smash opportunity against Seattle Seahawks, a team that's been giving up a ton of points uh, overall this year to basically every single position. Uh, so I would take a look at Eno Benjamin. Really just kind of keep your eye on what's going on with that Cardinals backfield. Um, he could be anywhere between a don't even think about him all the way up to a potential RB2. It all depends on the injuries in front of him on this depth chart. But something we don't need to bring out where they are on this depth chart or injuries is Alec Pierce, who comes off of his breakout game uh, this week for the Indianapolis Colts. Cats, I'll throw this one to you. Alec Pierce is a guy that we've talked about a couple different times on this on this uh, podcast and also in other different shows and articles, too. Uh, do you think this is going to be a sustainable level of production for Alec Pierce kind of moving forward? And like, Is that momentum and is that trust finally starting to be developed with someone like Matt Ryan right now? There's still some concerns with Alec Pierce in the fact that he's still playing behind Paris Campbell as a clear wide receiver three. But given his usage, I think that could change. He's seen his target count increase for three straight weeks now, uh, five, six, and up to nine this past Thursday night. Had 16.1 fantasy points in a game where the Colts didn't score a touchdown. So I, I, I like Pierce as the clear wide receiver two on this team going forward, even if Paris Campbell still out snaps him. The reality is we care more about targets, and Pierce is being targeted when he runs his routes, and Campbell's not. Uh, and every target can't go to Michael Pittman. So I think there's definite, uh, definite value here for Pierce as possibly a weekly wide receiver four going forward. And if Matt and Ryan can get this offense together, I mean, he, he understands where he's at in his career and what his limitations are. And this is a, he's a smart quarterback, so I think he can figure out a way to produce and get his receivers involved while understanding what he can and can't do at this point in his career, which could keep Pierce uh, as a weekly fantasy asset. Yeah, coming to the game, Pierce only seen a 10.7% target share and hadn't surpassed 50% routes ran since week one. But in this game where he led the team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards, it's kind of hard to think this can be a launching point for Pierce and where he can go. A guy who kind of seemed a bit boomer bust coming out of Cincinnati, but someone I think definitely fits the role that the Indianapolis Colts need of someone that can be a field judger alongside uh, Michael Pittman Jr. Alec Boone got a little bit of run last week, kind of working in as that number two. And I think of the running backs out there, not named Melvin Gordon, probably looked the best. And I think it was it was indicative of the fact that Melvin Gordon was the one. I'm sorry, not Melvin Gordon, but Mike Boone was the one out there late in the game when they needed to salt this way because. Those fumbles are continuing to be a trend with Melvin Gordon. And I know they are getting back, or at least they're going to probably activate Latavius Murray, who was a very short signing last week, wasn't going to play. Mike Boone this week, do you think he can probably keep up the same level of production moving forward? And do you think he's actually potentially encroach even further on what Melvin Gordon's stranglehold of this offense has been so far? I, I struggle to say he's going to get more just because of the Murray role. Like I really worry about Murray getting those goal line yeah. snaps, but the fumbles are so hard to predict, right? Like that you just can't keep rolling with someone that's going to put the ball on the ground. So mm -hmm. I think what we saw last week is pretty fair. I, Denver's offense is it's so much of a mess, but there is 
uh, room there for a back to be successful because of Russ's gravity, because of the playmaking on the outside. For all the reasons, there's still, for all the issues, there's still reasons to be able to say, like, there's going to be productivity there. So I like Boone. I, he's not like a super priority for me, but I do think he's a nice pickup. I'd rather be a little ahead of the curve on him than completely miss. And maybe, you know, Murray comes in and just has a much bigger role than what we expect uh, over the next two or three weeks. But I don't predict that. I still think it will be. Gordon one, Boone two, Murray could maybe be that pest and hopefully Boone can prove himself and be given the chance to prove himself to be more of like that true spell back. Ideally you have Melvin Gordon. Don't need to worry about anything else. I think that's the best case scenario. Cause I'm, I'm worried that if you're going after Mike Boone heavily or Latavius Murray, if you missed out on one of them last week, that is just going to be a, a headache inducing mess from time to time. Um, Quite frankly, the Denver Broncos offense just need to get it figured out before we even are able to start multiple running backs on this team. Um, so we'll have to see what happens uh, moving down the line. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Josh Reynolds ends up having another decent game. Um, he's had now at least 12.8 fantasy points for the last four weeks. Led the Lions receivers in snaps, route runs, and targets over the weekend. Quite frankly, it's with Amonra St. Brown definitely on a pitch count and DJ Shark injured as well. He's got a good role on this team. I think my my concern is going to be how things kind of change when Jamison Williams, a name we have not talked about in quite some time, he's eventually going to make his way back onto this roster. Um, that And that's also a name that if you can stash him, if you have an IR spot available or something like that, I'd grab Jamison Williams because, quite frankly, Jared Goff is slinging the ball right now, came into this week as a QB5 in fantasy, which I'm not sure how that happened. Uh, on pace for almost 400 fantasy points, which would just be a, the most Jared Goff thing possible to watch him go off right now uh, with this team. But when James Williams comes back, this team could be even more lethal. Josh Reynolds continuing to get utilization on this team. I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. Uh, it's only rostered in 31% of leagues. Uh, it complicated things a little bit because of the upcoming bye week, but if you want to stash him in the hopes of him kind of maintaining this, this uh, role on the offense, I think Josh Reynolds makes a little bit of sense. Uh, someone else makes sense to get also in those PPR kind of style format leagues. JD McKissick, uh, who I think is now going to get a little more competition for his uh, receiving role as Brian Robinson really kind of takes over that running, the rushing uh, impact of things here. Uh, Cats with JD McKissick now kind of fighting with Antonio Gibson here. Are you giving uh, JD McKissick the lead on which running back you think might end up being the most valuable one down the stretch? If we're talking about the commander's backfield as a whole, I do think that it is only a matter of time before Brian Robinson reclaims what the job he was going to have coming out of the preseason. If not that already started. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It already started. And we're rolling going to see it happen more and more. I mean, we, we saw just week five, Robinson's first game back. It was a pretty flat snap share between him and Gibson. Gibson played 20 snaps, Robinson 18. But the guy leading the team in snaps was J.D. McKissick. And again, yeah, he's game script dependent, but he's one of the, the safest and most reliable weekly producers at the position. He's not going to win any weeks. 
He's not going to make an impact. But we've got bye weeks coming up. We've got a lot yep. of injuries. He scored 7.8 fantasy points in every week this season. He saw seven targets in week five. That's that's useful production. I mean, there are going to be teams out there looking down at the waiver wire and going, wow, I have no idea who to start at running back. Well, for 63% of you, you can go pick up J.D. McKissick, and he'll at least give you some passable value at that position. Yeah, and we kind of talked about Brian Robinson there too. I mean, comes in, first game in, triples the amount of carries of Antonio Gibson. Beats him 9-3. to three. So that's... Uh, this is his backfield. We've been waiting on it. We we talked about this several weeks in a row. Grab Brian Robinson. Stash Brian Robinson. It costs you nothing to roster Brian Robinson. I hope you did it. At this point, I hope you're able to get Brian Robinson because you're not going to be able to get hold of him now. Um, for you guys that were also streaming the quarterback position, we're not going to leave you hanging here. Uh, Geno Smith is looks like he's that number one waiver wire priority this week. If you need a quarterback uh, out there, Ian, it's been a little bit of a surprising revelation out of Geno Smith. And we're quite frankly, I didn't think I'd say it, but I wish Russell Wilson played like Geno Smith because right now it looks like Seattle, they might actually have an upgraded quarterback compared to what the Denver Broncos did. Am I right? It's unbelievable. I If they knew, and obviously they didn't, but if had they known that they were sitting on this gold mine with Geno Smith all this time, they would have made this move years ago and they would have gotten even more, I think, for Russell Wilson. Uh, 16 to 25 or 268 yards, three touchdowns last week, averaging 25 fantasy points per game over the last three weeks. This unit, it looks good, man. And I don't know if it's just a matter of like the right chemistry being there. Like looking back in the preseason, the question was, well, the offensive line, they got two rookies. We don't really know what's going on. Okay, we got injury prone running back. And then, yeah, you got a rookie in Ken Walker, but okay, like. But Gino, like Gino kind of plays up to his talent around him, but it doesn't seem like there's a high talent around him. Well, now you're looking at it and it's like, okay, he is playing the talent around him and the mm-hmm. offensive line is better than what we expected. The offense. We talked about the running game. We obviously know about the receivers. So this is impressive, man. I, I think Gino's to buy. And it, you know, is he the long-term guy there? I don't know. And it doesn't matter. Like for what we're looking at, it doesn't matter. Yep. He's playing really well right now. It's awesome to see a guy that, you know, this is what we had hoped for out of West Virginia so many years ago. Just that decision-making, that confidence. And, you know, I'm not saying he developed per se, but he's at a mature state of his game and he's surrounded by the right pieces to continue to succeed. Yeah. And also you're not going to get any worse by going from Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker too. So that running game is not going to go anywhere anytime fast. Cats, I want to ask you a question on this one. Now sitting as the number two tight end in fantasy scoring. Is Taysom Hill legit? Maybe I don't know. I mean, you're gonna start him if you if you if you start him every week. You're gonna have weeks where you go, wow, he scored two touchdowns on like four touches, and he was the top ten at the position. Another weeks where he scores you literally two points. And he's gonna be incredibly volatile. But I mean, the fact that he even has a 35 fantasy point like ceiling <laughs> in his range of outcomes. I, I mean, who who could have seen that coming? He's not a tight end. Okay, I don't know why he's tight end eligible. He doesn't play tight end. He scored all of his points on nine carries and one pass attempt, which he threw for a touchdown. So it's it's, just, it's a really strange player. We've never seen anything like this in fantasy. So it's it's really hard to figure out what to do. He's out there in over 70% of leagues. Um, and the tight end position is a disaster. So you could certainly do worse. That's what I got. Yeah. Alva Kamara, uh, 91 receiving yards, 103 rushing yards, zero touchdowns. Taysom Hill. Alvin- 
Alvin Kamara doesn't have a, doesn't have a goal line touch. I mean, he, he's not he's he's getting pulled inside the five yard line consistently for both Mark Ingram and Taysom Hill, and that is something I was concerned about entering the season. And it seems to be a problem that we're gonna have to deal with going forward for Kamara, which is gonna lower his weekly ceiling. I was just I thought managers were getting a massive steal, and I was one of them that jumped on the Alvin Kamara train because he was just avoiding suspension. I wasn't necessarily thinking about the uh, the Taysom Hill asset of this one too, but uh. We'll see this kind of continues, but I'm sure it's got to be a heck of a roller coaster of emotion if you are rostering and starting Taysom Hill out there. Uh, just throw some other quick names here at you guys. Uh, Rondell Moore definitely saw a, an increase in his kind of his first first action back, seven of 68, second on the team in snaps, routes, and targets. The question is going to be what's this offense going to look like when D Hop returns in week seven? I'll uh, see what happens there. Khalil Shakir ends up having a, a good game as every Buffalo Bill player did against Pittsburgh Steelers filling in for Isaiah McKenzie. So we'll see what happens uh, if McKenzie is out. Then we know Khalil Shakir, someone who was very much a under-the-radar prospect that has so much potential out of Boise State. We'll see what he does. Marvin Jones ends up having a good game, which kind of been going back and forth, trading punches with Zay Jones on who's going to be that number two. Ends up seven for 111, but we'll see what moves forward. Um, Jacksonville had a, a disappointing game for me. I was all in on what Jacksonville could do against Houston, and they they let me down. So I'm going to have a hard time fully buying into anyone not named Robinson or Kirk on this offense right now until they until they kind of win me back on this one. Darius Slayton ends up having a, a decent game, second on the team in snaps and route runs uh, and routes run while the Giants were without Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, or Wandale Robinson and the ghost of Kenny Galladay or whatever's going on with him. Uh, another player out there is a potential. Um, and then Reynold Cobb listed on here at three percent and. Uh, I love the analysis on here. I'm cats. I'm guessing this was probably you that wrote this one down and just said, nope. Am I right on that? That's it. That's my analysis. Nope. Perfect. Uh, a couple of the names out there, just throw out there. They probably already rostered, but we're taking a shot. Romeo Dobbs, 71%. Tyler Algier, Brian Robinson, Naheem Hines. And then uh, I don't take a look at, you know, Hayden Hurst, Isaiah McKenzie, and then Jamison Williams, all at different levels of upside and availability. Uh, but if you guys want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season, well, as a new DraftKings user, uh, you can bet $5 and win two up to $200 uh, in free bets. All you got to do is head over to ProFootballNetwork.com and check out the latest betting promos to claim this offer today. Uh, and you end up having a good week going 8-2 and two ATS uh, over here in Week 5. And we got a fun little matchup this week uh, sticking over here in the AFC West as the Kansas City Chiefs play host to the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night football. Go, go ahead and start kind of give me your, uh, your first thoughts and what are your, what are your uh, plays for this week? I'm always a little weary with these AFC West games because like the primetime West games seem to be uh, just really difficult to project, but I really have to rely well, on part the part of it's because we've been watching nothing but the Denver Broncos. And let's be honest, <laughs> that has not been fun. And no, it hasn't. I think this will be a lot more fun. If nothing, for for no other reason, the Chiefs have been lighting it up against the Raiders. So even just this season, we know the Chiefs have traditionally not been great against the spread under Patrick Mahomes and, and Andy Reid. They've been doing a little bit better this year. They're 2-2. Two and two. I don't want to jinx that uh, for us Chiefs betters. But Chiefs have covered in six of the last 10 against the Raiders. They've averaged 35.5 points. Meanwhile, the Raiders have averaged under 20 points in the last three Chiefs have been going over 40 by themselves. So because of that, I do think that the Chiefs kind of run away with this one. The, the, I, I liked what Josh McDaniels can build in Las Vegas. I just don't think that 
it's he's had the horses on defense and some of that is is their own decision making offensively they're still trying to integrate darren waller they're still trying to get uh hunter renfro and like now that he's back off concussion they're there's a lot of moving pieces, right? Like that's not good against the Chiefs. So I like the Chiefs to cover here. It's a lot of points. Admittedly, I don't love this. Yeah. Chiefs minus seven. I do like the over though for all those reasons. I do think this will become a little bit more of an offensive game in the second half. So we're going to go Chiefs minus seven and then over 52. I like that. Um, we'll see if the Chiefs can uh, can cover. That's always been one of those interesting trends in the betting world is the Chiefs trying to cover the spread. So it, For a long time, it wasn't happening, but maybe maybe things are different. Uh, we'll see what kind of happens here on Monday night football. Kind of take a look at some of the prop bets in here as well. I thought one of the interesting ones is actually one that I found over on Pickett um, on their app, and I was trying to look at what the community is kind of taking a look on. Daniel Carlson, one of the most active kickers in the league, one of the most accurate kickers in the league for the Las Vegas Raiders, over 1.5 field goals. You can get that at plus 104. He's hit multiple field goals in every game of the year, uh, every game so far this season. Uh, I believe, Cass, you were looking at this up. I think you said something around like 75% of the time the over would have hit in his last like 38 games or something like that. So, I mean, it's regardless, it is a, it's got good odds. Um, go ahead, Cass. I think you were going to say it. Yeah. Go, going back through the 2020 season, uh, I believe it was, there were exactly four games in both 2020 and 2021 where Carlson did not make at least two field goals. So, I mean, this, in terms of just pure probability, we're talking about something that's essentially an even money, and it happens over 70% of the time. I mean, that's just pure math. It seems like a good bet to me. Yeah, I, I like that kind of math. Um, Any time of math where I don't have to like, take my shoes off to count to 20, I'm, I'm a big fan of that kind of math. Uh, looking at some other options here, anytime touchdowns will always be big uh, for any primetime game. Darren Waller, anytime touchdown. Plus two thirty. Oregon taking out the first touchdown at plus eighteen hundred, which I think are those are both really interesting uh, props on that one. Especially if we're thinking, hey, Kansas City win the toss, they defer. Uh, Las Vegas gets the ball, and we're not going to let um, Devonte Adams beat us. Gives you Darren Waller at that point. That's going to be Derek Carr's primary red zone target. Has been pretty much every single year of his career. They've been together up until pretty much just this year because you bring in his former Fresno State teammate. Kansas City is seventh worst against tight ends, allowing uh, just over uh, 0.75 touchdowns a week, which is the fourth worst rate in the NFL. You'd think if you have to guard Travis Kelsey in practice every single day, you'd be better at stopping tight ends, but apparently not. Uh, there are a couple of super boosts that are also out there as well, and just a couple of boosts in general. Um, Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller combining for um, 134.5 yards. You can take the over on that at plus 100. Uh, Kelsey and Adams um, sitting here at uh, plus 200 yards combined and plus two touchdowns, two or more touchdowns. If I can get that one out, good God, you can tell it's a Monday for me. Uh, you can take that at plus 450, which is an, it's an interesting one. It's a lot to have to have happen, but those are the top two targets on both of these offenses. Uh, and Cats, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up your weekend as well because we talked about Ian having a good one here at 8-2. and two. Before we kind of move on into the picks for tonight, I'll go ahead and give you a, give you a chance to blow your own trumpet on this one too on the week. Yeah, it it depends. I mean, I could frame this how I want to trumpet a lot or only a little bit. So I, I want to be fair to everybody out there because I I'm a big fan of transparency. If you read my Sunday one o'clock props article on ProFootballNetwork.com and you only bet those plays, well, those went nine and three at plus five point five units. That was my biggest hit of the weekend. 
Overall, though, didn't do as well at the 4 o'clock hour. We finished 13-10 and 10 at plus 1.13 units. Not as good as the previous two weeks. But, hey, anytime you have a winning week, you take it. And you can always find all my plays over on Pickett. Speaking of Pickett, uh, are you guys tired of tracking your bets on messy spreadsheets or don't know about the ROI on your bet record because you're on so many different sportsbooks? Well, Pickett, the best bet tracking app in the market, makes it quick and easy to track your bets on all of your sportsbooks. Track your bets, shop the lines, and sweat your bets with a community of avid bettors. All you have to do is just sign up using the code PFN365 and sync all your favorite sportsbooks, and you can win up to $100 for free. And remember, Pickett is 100% free and, and to join and to use. So what are you guys waiting for? Just head over to uh, Pickett and use promo code PFN365 to track all your bets, and you might get up to $100 just for signing up. Taking a look at some of the action over on pick and kind of looking at where the money is going. Kansas City, no surprise, is pretty much the clear favorites on most fronts here. They're getting 96% of the money and 92% of the volume on the money line. They're also seeing their uh, the trends to cover the spread as well, getting 82% of the money and 71% of the volume to cover the spread. The over is also very much in play here. 75% of the money and 81% of the volume heading over. Um, kind of looking at some of the best odds, some of the best plays, uh, Kansas city, you can take them at minus one Oh six to cover the spread so far. That's the best odds that I've seen so far over on points, but, and that Daniel Carlson prop is actually the most played prop over on, uh, picket, uh, of looking at what the, the community of betters have always kind of been kind of sticking over their sports books. That's the number one outside of any of the touchdown ones. And I kind of, I kind of got to agree. Like it's like 98% of the people that have taken that play are all going with the over. And I think it does make sense on that one. Uh, so like I said, head over to, uh, to pick it. You can check out some of those trends over there. Free to, uh, free to join, free to use chance went up to hundred bucks. Literally it's, it's a no, a no risk situation, but I also want to tell you about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It is underdog fantasy and their pick em game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite in some cases, player stats, and pick whether they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's games, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players for your pick of entry, get all your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is super simple to get started. Just head over to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFN and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN, and you can get in on the action today. Cats, I know you're kind of diving into this slate uh, for this Monday night. Oddly enough, there's not a ton of ones that we really love. There's a lot of really close ones, and that makes it really hard to really take one defensive side or the other. Talking about some of your plays for tonight uh, for Pickett, and I'm also sure that if people also want to check out any of the other plays, they can over into the Discord over for the uh, the PFN Discord. Also check out the website uh, for the articles that will be coming up. Kind of run us through some of your first, uh, some of your action for tonight. Yeah, I, I always like to give out some plays for, for Monday night because it's, it's the last game of the week and everyone wants some, some you gotta action. You got to do it. You got to do something, but I also, again, full transparency, not super confident in these plays, so just... You know, exercise caution there. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go putting your your entire bankroll on an underdog uh, pickup slip tonight. But I, I've got three of them for you. First one to go with Isaiah Pacheco, higher than twenty two point five rushing yards. Uh, Pacheco saw increased usage last week. Carried the ball eleven times for sixty three yards. 
I don't expect him to see 11 carries again, but he can do this on just you know four to six. And I know some people might be thinking, wait, wasn't it a blowout last week? Yes, it was. But six of Pacheco's carries came in the first half. He appears to have overtaken Jarek McKinnon on the depth chart, and he's seeing meaningful work early in the games. So I think he can get to 25-plus rushing yards tonight, possibly even in the first half. So that's what I'm going with tonight. Another one I like is kind of – I like telling a story with my picks. I like when they're correlated. Mm-hmm. So if we hit on Pacheco, we're probably also going to hit on Jarek McKinnon lower than 25.5 rushing-plus receiving yards. Uh, and again, the story we're telling here is Pacheco was the RB2, McKinnon being marginalized. Last week, McKinnon played a season-low 23% of the stabs. He carried the ball just twice for negative one yards, and he caught his lone target for one yard. The week prior, seven carries, 20 yards, didn't catch a pass. In fact, the only time McKinnon has had more than 25.5 combined rushing and receiving yards was in week one. So I'm going to bank on that happening once more. And we're closing it out with a bit of an unconventional pick here, and that's Darren Waller, lower than five receptions. I know that we just went over the Chiefs' issues covering the tight ends, but we also need to look at what the Raiders have been doing offensively. Waller has just a 16.6% target share in the season. That is by far the lowest of his career since his 2019 breakout. And Waller's circumstance of the past two weeks couldn't have been better. No Hunter Renfro, no Foster Moreau, yet Waller's target count remained the same. In fact, he only saw five targets each of the past two games, which is lower than he had before that. So I'm just I'm concerned with Waller's overall volume. He can still have a good fantasy day, and he can still produce big numbers. He can have like four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, which would be great. And it's still less than five receptions. So I'm taking Waller to have fewer than five receptions until we see him uh, go higher than that number. And those are my three underdog pick and plays for tonight. I love it. Hopefully you can win us all some money. Uh, but that's going to wrap up today's episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating or review, whether it's on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcasts at. Continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. Get involved with the PFN community. The PFN Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFN promotions, weekly giveaways, weekly AMAs with the PFN staff, including lineup, waiver wire advice, a Sunday morning start sit, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. Remember, it's also never too early to get started with the 2023 season. That is quickly approaching by using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at profootballnetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason over on Twitter at JasonCats13. You can follow Ian over there at NFL Film Study and myself at TommyGarrettPFN. Speaking for Jason and Ian, good luck tonight, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday for the next episode of the show.